Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pelicans fans, and welcome to the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. And today, we are previewing the Pelicans' upcoming matchup with Southwest rival, the Houston Rockets, led by MVP James Harden and former Hornet, Chris Paul. Uh, to help us do this, we've got Ben DeBose of Locked On Rockets, uh, and then we're going to have Kelly Eco of The Athletic following him. So let's go ahead and bring on Ben and get to some burning questions in advance of Wednesday's opening night matchup in the Toyota Center. Ben, I've had you on this pod before. Thank you so much for coming back, sir. Absolutely. Glad to be back. I appreciate it, man. Of course, Ben DeBose, as I Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Mention covers the Houston Rockets for Sports Talk 790, as well as hosting Locked On Rockets. You can follow him at Ben DuBose. That's D-U-B-O-S-E. Ben, the Rockets, I think they won 65 games last year, and they were one hamstring injury away from possibly taking home their first title in 20 years. Pretty much you're running back the same team, what would you say has changed from that Rockets team to this one? The role players, the composition is different. The mainstays in terms of the big three, Chris Paul, James Harden, Clint Capella, that's still there. But generally, you've had a couple of more defensive-oriented role players, Trevor Ariza and Luke Bamute, older guys, go out. And the guys you brought in, generally younger. Now, one exception, obviously, being Carmelo Anthony, but I think Carmelo Anthony more of a replacement for Ryan Anderson than he is either Ariza or Bob Mute. We were talking about uh, who left last season's rotation for the Rockets. The guys that are in for the Rockets now tend to be younger. James Ennis, Michael Carter-Williams, Brandon Knight, although I actually don't think Brandon Knight will be available for the opener on Wednesday. But generally speaking, the Rockets got a little bit younger. They got a little bit better offensively, but at least historically, other than Ennis and maybe Michael Carter-Williams, who has shown you some flashes defensively, that may have taken a slight step back with the defense of their role players. So that's the thing to watch. Generally, the, the star power is the same, but, but in terms of the role players, they're probably a little bit deeper overall, but they're a little more balanced towards the offensive end of the court than they were last year when the guys they lost, Ariza and Luke Mute, being more uh, defense first and a little bit older as well. 
Definitely. I definitely want to pick your brain about some of those role players a bit more. Before we get to that, I uh, just wanted to briefly get an entry update from you. The only person I know of who might not suit up for Wednesday night's contest is Eric Gordon. Uh, he was day-to-day with an Achilles over the course of the preseason. How How is he faring, and would you expect him to go on a Wednesday? I expect Eric Gordon to go. He played a half in the preseason finale at Memphis. That's not because there's any re-injury or anything of that no, it was just a plan after a sore Achilles. They were only going to play him for about 15 minutes. But all went well. He looked sharp, made 50% of his shots, 40% from behind the arc. So I think he's good to go. The two players to watch would be Michael Carter-Williams and Brandon Knight. Personally, I expect Knight to be out. He did not play at all during the preseason. Had an infection in that surgically repaired knee. As folks probably remember, he tore his ACL before last season when he was with the Phoenix Suns. So the Rockets promised us an update on his timetable after the preseason. We haven't gotten that, but I think it's a real stretch to go from not even practicing or playing to all of a sudden being ready for an NBA game within 48 to 72 hours. So I would assume that Knight is out. And then the other player, Michael Carter-Williams, he missed the last three preseason games with some knee soreness. D'Antoni said uh, Friday in Memphis that they expected him to play, but it's not a given. It is something that could be impactful because – The two games that he played, Michael Carter-Williams was a a bit of a revelation. He's an interesting guy. If you look at his NBA career, you know, five years ago, he was NBA Rookie of the Year and seemed destined for stardom. And then as each year has passed, he's still not that old. He's still only, I believe, 27 or 28. Yet, because his jump shot is a liability, that's been exploited more with each passing year. Well, early in camp, I mean, the folks around the Rockets couldn't stop raving about him because there's so much facing already with the Rockets, so much playmaking, that it kind of let him do – what he does, it let him play to his skill set, which is slashing to the rim. Then, of course, he's got a little bit of a sore knee. If he's out, I do think that would hurt the Rockets a little bit because he's a slasher that they didn't have a year ago, and especially against a very athletic team like the Pelicans, you could use those. So that's the one injury. If I'm you know, either the Rockets or the Pelicans leading into this, I would watch the status of Michael Carter-Williams and whether he's able to go after missing the final three of the preseason. Yeah, I was just going to say with uh... – the the day-to-day uh, status of Eric Gordon, you just mentioned, you expect him to go. But even with him playing, you guys are going to be pretty thin in the backcourt with just Gerald Green as your fourth guard. And across the rest of your lineup, um, I'm going to ask you this. Are you anticipating James Ennis is going to start at the small forward and P.J. Tucker is going to be at the power? Yes. Um, that was a big deal going into the preseason. I don't know if you caught it. There was a lot of talk that – going into camp that the Rockets might start Eric Gordon at the three spot because they had so much success in the Western Conference Finals, maybe even more than they anticipated, with those three-guard lineups being viable, James Harden, Chris Paul, and Eric Gordon playing at the same time. Of course, a little bit undersized, but they give you so much on the offensive end of the floor. And going into camp, that was – it seemed to be the lean that the Rockets wanted to experiment with that, and not that – now it's off the table because anything can change. 82 games is a very long time. But between Gordon dealing with a little bit of Achilles soreness and James Ennis playing extremely well in the preseason, shot nearly 60% from the field, 56% from three, I think the Rockets are taking an if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because in terms of replacing the dynamic they had a year ago when they won 65 games, Ennis is clearly, in terms of body type, length, the easiest just plug-and-play replacement for Trevor Ariza. So based on the combination of how well he played in the preseason and the Gordon injury, I think they're going to keep it simple. And for now, that means starting James Ennis at the three. 
And I'm sure we'll still get a good uh, dose of three-guard lineups from the Houston Rockets because the New Orleans Pelicans are pretty much the perfect opponent to run that lineup against with Etuan Moore getting a heavy workload at the three position. That seems right for a player like Eric Gordon uh, alongside James Harden and Chris Paul, although I'm sure they're going to want to stagger their minutes as they did in the regular season, especially with how thin they are with their injuries right now. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and pass on Michael Carter-Williams and Brandon Knight since we're not expecting them to play. But I do want to get to, of course, uh, one of the biggest topics of the offseason in terms of Houston, and that's Carmelo Anthony. Can he become Melo Anthony? Is our uh, Olympic Anthony, I mean. How is he going to be coming off the bench? He's reunited with Mike D'Antoni, uh, of course, from their days in New York that didn't go so well. Talk about the relationship, how it's blossoming in the city of Houston. Do you expect a bounce-back season after that, um, I guess, disappointing run in Oklahoma City last year? Do you expect that Carmelo Anthony, do you think he's lost a step, or do you think he might turn back the clock and become an efficient spot-up shooter for the Houston Rockets? Bounce back is an interesting term. I wouldn't necessarily call it that because I do think he's lost a step now in year 16, 34 years old. He's not going to suddenly become what he was even three or four years ago. That said, I do think you can see a second version of Carmelo Anthony that you didn't see last year in Oklahoma City. Because the preseason, what's encouraged me the most about Carmelo, it's been less about his individual uh, game. Now, he has shot 50% from behind the arc, which is very welcome in this rocket system that shoots so many threes and gets so many open looks with James Harden and Chris Paul. But the most telling thing to me about Carmelo has been that he's been okay having his role yanked around a little bit. The first week of the preseason, he started at the four spot with P.J. Tucker out due to back soreness. And if you remember the first time that Carmelo played with Mike Antoni, he even objected to being used at the four. Well, he, he did that starting lineup and everything went well. Then PJ came back. He came off the bench a couple of games, didn't complain about that. And he also played some five. One of the big revelations, no one's really stepped up as far as a backup center for the Rockets. So they've experimented more with PJ Tucker and Carmelo Anthony playing the five in these small ball lineups. And, you know, that's the most encouraging thing about Carmelo is that he seems to have a much better attitude going in. I think what everybody forgot about that deal that sent him to Oklahoma City this past year is that it may, seemed to make some sense on paper, but because it wasn't consummated until basically media day, right before training camp, there wasn't really a lot of time for either side, Carmelo or the Thunder, to think through how he would be used. Of course, the entire offseason, Carmelo was trying to get traded to Houston. He was leveraging his no trade to that. The Knicks wouldn't play ball. And ultimately, rather, rather than go back to New York in that uncomfortable situation, he expanded his list to improve the Thunder, but, uh, or to include the Thunder. But this year, because it was done in August, and he had six weeks, both he and the team, to map out a strategy, he seems much more adaptable to this role. So that's why I'm optimistic about it. I don't think he's suddenly going to become a 20-plus points-per-game scorer. I think generally a more fair expectation for Melo is to play maybe 25 minutes a game, primarily serve as a spot-up shooter, occasionally an isolation player in the second-team units when one or both of Chris Paul and James Harden might not be on the floor. So I think basically what you're looking for from Carmelo Anthony at 34 years old is a better version of what they had a year ago with Ryan Anderson. And so far, so good. It's just the preseason, but so far he's been used in a lot of ways and he seems to have a much better attitude about it than he did last year at Oklahoma City. And as long as he's okay with it mentally and he said all the right things and everything on the court has seemed happy, then yeah, I think he can be an upgrade over what uh, former Pelican Ryan Anderson gave them in that kind of uh, backup big role a year ago. 
Great stuff. I got two more questions for you. One is specifically related to the Houston Rockets scoring. Obviously, they were fourth in points per game last season, although in terms of efficiency, they were second. But most of those points didn't come in the paint. If anything, uh, the the Rockets led the league, as everyone well knows, in three-point shooting, 42 attempts per game. They made 15 of them, which also led the league. The Pelicans are a team that like to live in the paint. But if the Pelicans should live in the paint, this could lead to transition three-point shots for the Houston Rockets. Talk to me about the Rockets' offense. Is it as deadly as it was last season? Are they going to chuck even more threes this year? And how is that relationship going to trade off between the Pelicans attacking the basket and the Rockets attacking from the perimeter? I think it should be, at least on paper, better than a year ago. Because, look, you bring in guys like Carmelo Anthony, who mentioned the comparison to Ryan Anderson. He's just a much steadier guy you don't have the peaks and valleys that you did with ryan anderson when he goes into a slump and i'm sure pelicans fans remember this well you know when anderson slumps he gets very tentative to where he doesn't even take the open shots and in a mike d'antoni scheme that's the worst thing you can have it's a guy that's passing up those open threes well in carmelo he's going to take and make a lot of those shots michael carter williams he could play but again that's up in the air in the opener you know he can be a dynamic guy splashing to the bucket brandon knight who i don't expect for the opener someone who scored 20 plus points per game at the NBA level. So if anything, I think they've gotten better on the offensive end of the floor when you factor in the guys that left, Ariza, Bob Mute, Ryan Anderson, and then the guys you brought in, like Carmelo, James Ennis, uh, Brandon Knight, Michael Carter-Williams, the, the list goes on. So I don't really expect anything stylistically to change too much for the Rockets. They're going to do what they do. And in some ways, you know, there's kind of a misnomer with the Rockets because they're coached by Mike D'Antoni thinking that they're kind of this run-and-gun team. In reality, the second half of last year in the playoffs, they were actually one of the league's slower-paced teams. So even though the, some of the the, uh, the star power, you think Chris Paul and maybe Carmelo Anthony, if you want to call him a star, are getting up there in age, well, they slow it down. And, of course, that plays to how strong they are in isolation settings. So they are going to take a lot of threes, but they're not as fast-paced as you might think. Now, as far as the matchup with the, the, the Pelicans' bigs, the thing that's concerning, if you're a Rockets fan looking at the Pelicans, is the depth behind Clint Capella. Can he stay on the floor? Because as I mentioned, going into the preseason, there's a big question. The Rockets have a lot of unproven guys behind Capella at the center spot. Nene is 36 years old. I don't think they want Nene to really have a rotation role anymore. Effectively, he's kind of a player coach at this point. They've got some young bigs, Isaiah Hartenstein and um, – Marquise Chris, but neither of them, Chris, they also picked up in the Suns trade, but former lottery pick, but neither of them played especially well. They've also had some ankle injuries. So as mentioned, going into this, I think the Rockets' backup center is either Carmelo Anthony or P.J. Tucker in smaller lineups, which against, you know, Anthony Davis and the Pelicans team that up front can have some success in the paint. You can get thin in a hurry. So I think if there's a, a roadmap to success for the Pelicans, it's to take you know, the physicality, the flexibility of Clint Capella, if they can somehow get him in foul trouble to where he's not much of a factor, then all of a sudden the Rockets are a little bit uncomfortable, I think, with especially the size of Anthony Davis, just because they don't really have that second traditional big that they trust right now. Generally, they're going to play smaller and stretch, but as Pelicans fans know very well, uh, Anthony Davis is fully capable of taking advantage of that if you don't have Clint Capella on the floor. Great stuff. This is more an overarching question over the course of the season, but I'm going to relate it to the opening night contest against the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, the the Rockets, like we said, 65 wins uh, came this close to advancing to the finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Have to think they would have won. 
Chris Paul's a year older. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, obviously, we mentioned that he's a step slower. Of course, James Harden's not going anywhere. He's one of the game's best. But with that being said, with the success the Rockets had last year, as deep as they went into the playoffs, do you think there's a chance that they could regress this year? And what would you expect the outcome of Wednesday night's uh, matchup with the Pelicans to be? Do you think they come out firing on all cylinders? Do you think there's any kind of um, slump that could come with some of these new interchangeable pieces in James Ennis and Carmelo Anthony? Or do you just expect business as usual and here come 65 more wins? So uh, I'll break it down in two parts. Short term, I think they win. Uh, It's hard to say exactly what the score is this early in the season. I'll say they win by eight points plus points, but they looked very good in the preseason. The last game in Memphis, they were up actually 54 to 27, barely over 16 minutes into the game. So right now, uh, most of the key pieces are healthy and no disrespect to the Pelicans. If the Rockets are healthy, they're one of the two best teams in the NBA. So, and and in this game, they're playing at home. So again, you know, I'm high on the Pelicans. I see the cases for optimism. I know it's a big year, especially when you consider the contract situation of Anthony Davis. So, you know, it's not really meant out of disrespect to New Orleans at all. I just think the Rockets, you know, unless they have an outlier of a three-point stretch, which costs 0 for 27, they are prone to doing at times. It just comes to the territory of taking such high volume. I do think the Rockets are the better team. Uh, As far as for the season as a whole, that's a very fair question. I'm personally not expecting any sort of massive regression out of them. I think, and we've heard this from Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, Chris Paul and James Harden and Paul at 33 years old is the more immediate, you know, regression candidate. He thinks those guys are going to age much more gracefully than a lot of NBA players do simply because their games are more cerebral based. It's not like, you know, you take away their athleticism and then all of a sudden they're suddenly going to become ineffective. Now that's not to say that athleticism is unimportant, but just generally speaking, they should age a lot more gracefully. Uh, So I think, it's fair to question the Rockets if you would say where they are as a franchise. I think they realistically have a two-year window with this current group. I think you've probably got two more years of truly prime Chris Paul. I think you've also got a situation where now, after all the contracts they gave out in the offseason, they're a luxury tax team for the foreseeable future. Clint Capella got his big deal. Chris Paul got the max. James Harden already had the max. So I think they're really looking at this as a two-year window. I don't expect much regression, assuming they're healthy. I think they should win 60-plus again. Is that enough against the Warriors? We'll have to wait and see. But I think the Rockets are looking at this as a two-year window this year, next year. Hopefully they can win a title in there. And then if not, then you're going to have some hard decisions a couple of years from now because once Chris Paul gets to 35 years old, I think that's where it's a lot more reasonable to where you know the, the window might be closed. And then when you factor that in with – the luxury tax, the repeater tax, that kind of thing. I think that's where you could see, you know, this version of the Rockets potentially taking a step back. A lot of variables to come between now and then. But I would say for the Rockets, it's a two-year window, and they're very optimistic about what's in front of them right now. You're listening to Ben DeBose. You can follow him at Ben DeBose. He covers the Houston Rockets for Sports Talk 790 as well as Locked on Rockets. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Best of luck this season. Uh, I I wish you guys all the best success, not just for their sake, but for your sake. Uh, Phenomenal job on the podcast and look forward to talking to you soon, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, now we welcome onto the podcast Kelly Eco of The Athletic. You can follow him at Kelly Eco NBA. From fan-sided to the beat, sir, Congratulations. I was just talking to you a bit off air. I've been following you ever since our days at Fansided and now on the beat <laughs> in Houston. So happy for you, man. You were killing it at Summer League, uh, passed by you a couple of times. You even came and sat with us during one of the matchups. Dude, how does it feel? How has your first month been? What is this season going to be like? 
Wow. Um, appreciate you bringing me back, Preston, man. It's been a wild journey, said the least. Um, yeah, first month has been been pretty pretty exciting. I'm learning a lot of new stuff, you know, on the beat and getting a lot of good advice from like the OGs, everyone that's been in the game for a, a long time and just getting good support and, and general good feedback and stuff. Take forward. Yeah. It's been so good. Well, dude, yeah. you certainly deserved it. All the hard work you've been putting in. Uh, just just talking to you off air a bit, uh, Ollie and Kevin and I bumped into you a couple times at Summer League, so it was a pleasure finally getting to to match a face with the voice and with the written yeah. hand. Let's let's go ahead and get into this game, sir, because the regular season is off, and we are married to each other on Wednesday night, October 17th. We get to kick off the regular season together on national television. Super pumped oh to finally have some games to talk about. Kelly, I was feeling a bit better about things because I thought that they were going to be um, – some shortened rotations with Houston, some injuries to guys like Eric Gordon, Michael Carter, Williams, Marquise, Chris, Nene, uh, Brandon Knight obviously isn't going to play, but it appears now that most of those guys are going to be active and they are going to play on Wednesday. Is that right? Yeah. Um, the only inactive currently is obviously Brandon Knight. Uh, today, Marquise Chris was, he, the city had about a half, half go in practice. Carter Williams still, but for the most part, everyone's, Generally back and healthy, which is good news for them because they had a couple of couple of uh, dinks and bang ups early on in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your backup center Zuki. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I have no idea how to say it, uh, but he's probably going to be oh, held Zochi? out. Zochi. Yeah, wow, I was not even in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you being here educating me, Kelly. Uh, but, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden are old news. We know we're gonna, what we're going to get from them, probably somewhere around 36 minutes for James Harden and somewhere around his, his averages uh, near a triple-double, somewhere around like 28, 9, and 7. Chris Paul will probably be somewhere in that same stratosphere, although probably somewhere around 30 to 32 minutes, you'd say. But, yeah. Kelly, I want to talk about Carmelo Anthony because he is the most popular storyline. Obvious, obviously, he's on a veteran minimum right now. I think he's making $2.4 million, which is drastically lower than the close to $30 million he was supposed to accrue in Oklahoma City this year. And he was in a buyout, so he is going to get most, if not all, of that money. But he's a big name, U.S. Olympic guy, um, probably somebody who's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. What has his transition been like in Houston so far, and what have you seen from him in the, in the preseason? Um, that's a good question. I think his transition so far, it's been so good. Like so far, so good. It's been so far, so good. It's been so far, so good. But, um, I think the real test will come late in the season, you know, closing games, finishing lineups, you know, that sort of thing. But for the preseason, you know, as always, he's going to be a scorer. He scored the ball and defensively. Yeah. I mean, he's 34, so he's not going to be the the young spring chicken that he was in the past, but he's shown effort, which is which which is good going forward. I think, like I said, the main thing will to see what Coach Mike D'Antoni does with the the closing lines. You know, everyone knows he's going to come off the bench. That's that's pretty much out in the open. But what will be the closing five? That's that's going to be the biggest takeaway. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see if the Pelicans can make it close in the fourth, who they keep out there if they go with some version of James Ennis and P.J. Tucker or if they put Melo out there for scoring purposes. Uh, I wasn't going to talk about James Harden, but I just remembered something, Kelly, that I have to float by you. Have you seen this video of James Harden kind of holding the ball behind himself uh, like, like it's in a basket, and he takes about two and a half steps, 
drills the three and NBA officials have declared that it was not a travel. I don't know if you've seen this clip yet. Um, oh, yeah, I can, yeah, I saw, I, can, I, saw it, I saw it. What was your take on that? What is the mood like in Houston in regards to that call? Do they kind of just laugh at this stuff at this point or are they truthers? They're yeah. like, no, that absolutely wasn't a travel. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much jokes. Um, <laughs> I saw I saw the tweet from the from the um, the I guess the refs Twitter page, and they said it wasn't travel, and they slowed it down. And you actually see that you look at his two different feet; they end up in like two different spots. So I guess what that rule is not a travel, but I don't know. I'm not a ref, so it was like, <laughs> to to the normal eye, it looked you know pretty. Yeah, it's up for debate, but hey, instead it's legal, it's legal. Well, but no, I think people in Houston—they don't really, the team doesn't really care about that kind of stuff. I guess they're more focused on getting people healthy, which is was a big problem because up until a couple of days ago, they didn't know if Clinton was going to be ready to go because he couldn't he couldn't close his hand all the way, and Eric Gordon's foot injuries were kind of bad against the Spurs, so. That was that was their two biggest concerns, I guess. Nope. Well, we're glad we're getting your best shot, Kelly. We, we we don't want things to be easy in New Orleans. Uh, so no. just <laughs> we want to take your best shot. Uh, just briefly, Carmelo Anthony, uh, a bit more efficient. Obviously, it's just preseason, but he averaged thirteen and four, forty-seven percent from the field, fifty percent from deep. Uh, I'm going to circle back to expectations now, Kelly. Obviously, you guys won yeah. 65 games. Uh, you were one hamstring injury away from possibly winning the NBA Finals last year. But your guys are a bit older. I think Chris Paul is at 33 years of age this year. Uh, James Harden has been uh, in the top five in minutes played in the past three years. Where do you see the Rockets in terms of expectations, and where does rubber meet the road? Do you think that they can possibly pose a challenge to the Warriors in the playoffs again next season? Wow. Um, that's, that's a good question. I think I think the Rockets, they definitely see themselves as that same level. And I, I just don't know because a reason, like, okay, everyone talks about how a reason went 0 for 12, right, in game seven, whatever. But over the course of the season, like, you're losing a guy that shot 37% on seven threes. Like, the amount of volume shooting that he brought cannot be, uh, like, over like underestimated. He was available, and he didn't miss a game, you know? So it'll be interesting to see how James Ennis handles that, that new load of shooting. And obviously Tucker and all the rest of the guys another year in that system. But I think there might be a slightly a bit below than what they were last year just because last year they achieved so much as a team. I just I don't think you could top that apart from the, obviously winning the title. But I think now the Rockets know I guess how to beat Golden State. They have like the, the, the game plan, if you would call it. And the biggest thing for them, I guess, is obviously health wise, but now with you adding someone like Carmelo, the belief is, okay, yes, we live and die by the three, but we saw game seven that the three killed us. They went, what, seven for 44 or something like that? It was crazy. And with you bringing in someone like Carmelo, the belief is that 
okay, now they have a guy that if the going gets tough, he can get going and get you some kind of offense. So I think while they might be slightly worse equipped to be Golden State, it's a different kind of challenge, if that makes sense. Definitely. And Carlo Melo, Anthony, uh, having some kind of resurgence is definitely not something that Pelicans fans are going to hear about on Wednesday night. I think we would rather James Harden and Chris Paul just combine for 80, uh, 80 points to overcome us instead of Carmelo uh, resurging. Uh, some numbers that I was just looking over, James Harden, uh, I, I was going back all the way to 2014-15 and 15-16 uh, when he led the NBA in minutes. Last year, he was 15th in minutes, so got a bit of a break the year before he was 5th, just to clear up some of those numbers. Uh, just to continue along with things, Kelly, obviously, you mentioned three-point shooting. Uh, the Rockets lead the NBA in both uh, attempted three points and three-pointers made, although, like you said, uh, they kind of got tight in the biggest moment last year against the Golden State Warriors. Take us through what a typical night is like for a three-point shooting team like the Houston Rockets. Do you expect them to always perform somewhere around 35 to 40%? Or what transpires whenever, whenever the Rockets have an off-shooting night? Yeah, so, no, I, I don't expect them to shoot that well every night because, you know, like, NBA, like we've seen NBA teams go through on nights where they just can't hit the side of, of a barn. And I think for a team that shoots that many, whenever they are not hitting, it looks really bad. But to answer the second part of your question, I think when that happens, now you those those guys that are also good shooters are also good at finishing in the lane. They're also good at mid-range. James Harden, Chris Paul, and now Carmelo Anthony. They're also good at scoring at all three levels of, of the court. So I think now you have a bit of diversity in your offense when plan A doesn't work. Now you can bring in the plan B, I guess, you know? Yeah, well said. Hopefully the Pelicans will be able to defend the perimeter well at the Toyota Center, or hopefully, like we just said, uh, maybe the Rockets just uh, come out uh, a little bit rusty on the on the opening night of the season. I've got one more question you know what? for you. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry Go ahead. No, get in there, Kelly. Yeah, so um, they asked Clint today before, or yeah, after practice, how how he's going to deal with Anthony Davis because now with Demarcus Cousins gone, um, you're going to see more. I guess Davis going to be playing the five now, correct? Or am I is that, is that correct? Is he playing the five? Anthony Davis. Well, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because he's always labeled as the five. Offensively, he plays a lot of the five, but defensively last season, we saw Nikola Mirotic kind of matching up with okay. Yusuf Nurkic and some of the fives. So that allowed yeah. Anthony Davis to kind of roam the perimeter, uh, service as a help defender, kind of lag off power forwards who weren't uh, efficient deep shooters. That's probably what you're going to see. I would imagine that there'd be some AD matched up against Capella, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a lot of Randall and Mirotic on Capella uh, on your offensive sets. Yeah, so he said, oh, I mean, it's not my offense. Kelly, we love but, to uh, on the court, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I can't hope. I can't, I can't hope anymore. Nah, I'm, I'm too big. But, yeah, like I said, they – they, well, Capella highlighted Anthony Davis's proficiency with the ball as a ball handler. So, with the Rockets switching everything, sure, I lost. He, said, he said he's going to try and stay on AB as long as possible. Well, obviously, some of that is impossible because of switching and stuff. So, 
All right, sorry for the technical difficulties. We're back in, Kelly. I don't remember where you left off, but let's go ahead and just wrap this up. We're recording this uh, later on a Monday <laughs> night. <laughs> let's go ahead and get a prediction from you. Obviously, you're going to expect your Rockets to win. In what fashion do they do it? And pick a final score for us. I think they might lose, honestly. So you might, might need to, you might need to pump the brakes on that. I think, I think the Pelicans can steal it. I think so. I think I think I think it would be the perfect narrative for like the, the the ESPN and everyone else like the day after if they were to lose at home. I think it would it would, it would start a lot of questions and would like I guess kick kickstart their season I guess. But that would be pretty interesting uh, if the Rockets were to lose. You know what I, I, I think, think. Sorry, go ahead. Huh? Oh, for the scoreline, I was gonna say. 108-105. I definitely think it's it's the score is going to be a bit higher just because of the the pace that the Pelicans have been playing in the preseason. They're doing 115 possessions per game. Last year it was 108. So I'm expecting somewhere near the 120s unless both teams just fall off a cliff uh, efficiency-wise. But I am kind of on board with you. The Pelicans are going to be coming in super hungry with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. And James Harden and Chris Paul don't really have anything to prove at this point. It's the first game of the season. I wouldn't expect Chris Paul to play more than, what do you think, like 30 to 32 minutes? And yeah. James James Harden's going to be somewhere around 35. Uh, no telling just how healthy Eric Gordon's going to look. Um, and I, I think if Clint Capella gets in foul trouble early, and that's going to be key, then you've got some version of P.J. Tucker at the five, which Anthony Davis will have a field day over, or you've got Nene coming in. And uh, also, I, I think that's the extent of your big man rotation right now, and the Pelicans are three yeah. deep with Nikola Meritich, Julius Randle, and Anthony Davis. So I am on board with you. Why not? Uh, it, it is called the bird call, so let's go with the Pelicans. Uh, Kelly, I have to say, man, so happy for you. Uh, appreciate you coming on the pod again. This is Kelly Eco. This is Kelly Eco of the Athletic uh, in Houston. He's been working that beat for a few years now. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Obviously, we've got four matchups this year, so I'll holler back at you a little bit later in the season, sir. Okay, sounds good, man. All good. right, you're the man. I'm going to wrap it up now. That's all the time we have. Remember to check out our four-part season preview with Daniel Salerson, Andrew Lopez, Karen Loftus, and Will Guillory. And as always, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're also going to have a special post-game recap uh, episode following Wednesday night's game. Kelly, if you want to hop on, uh, if the Pelicans win and just talk about how ashamed you feel, you're welcome yeah, to do sure. that. Sure. <laughs> And uh, take a look over at thebirdrice.com. We're loaded with content today. And finally, lastly, uh, B-Ball Index just launched today. I have a season preview on the Pelicans. If you care to check that out, I know that you guys yeah, are diehard fans. Yeah, man. Uh, for both uh, the Pelicans and the Magic, I have season previews out. For I encourage you guys, if you're a fan of either franchise and you don't get enough from the birdrice, uh, thebirdrice.com, go on over there and check out some of my words. I'm Preston Ellis. We'll be back on Wednesday night. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Kelly, and let's go Pels! Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance.